today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. How much time are you on social media? Can I just ask you a question? I mean, this is sincere. I want to be respectful. I want to say this in love. But what would happen? What kind of changes, almost instant and immediate changes, would you notice in your life if you took just a little bit of that time that you spend on social media in prayer or in the Word? You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 1 Timothy. In today's message, Pastor J.D. will challenge you to evaluate your social media usage. What kind of changes would take place in your life if you spent more time in the Bible than on Facebook? How different would your outlook on life be if you spent more time with the Lord and less time with your screens? Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in 1 Timothy chapter 5 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. For those of us who are older, we always talk about this, lament about this. Lament such a spiritual word for complaining. That's the word I use because it, it sounds holy. You know, oh, he's lamenting. Not complaining. I'm complaining about the generation, these kids these days. No respect for their elders. And we know the reason why, right? Young people, when they look at someone older <laughs> who has more experience, They don't see them as somebody they can learn from. And there's no respect. You know, this is actually a cultural dynamic in the Middle East to this day. I'll never forget growing up as a little boy, my father, when he would walk into the room, everybody, all of my Arab family would stand up out of respect because he was the elder. Nothing special about him, but because he was the elder. That's how they treat the elders You know, and by the way, in Hawaii, if I'm not mistaken, there's a a lot of this here too when it comes to the elders and the Hawaiian culture. There's a respect for the elders. This is Leviticus 19, verse 32, by the way. Stand up in the presence of the aged. Show respect for the elderly and revere your God. I am the Lord. Here's the problem. When you're young, you think you know everything, and that those older than you don't have a clue. It was Mark Twain who humorously quipped, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. (laughs) A lot of truth to that, right? Now, it should be noted that when we get to verse 20 here in this chapter, Timothy is actually instructed to rebuke an elder who is in sin. Now, I point this out because there are times 
when not only are we to rebuke someone, but also we're to rebuke them publicly. Paul addresses this with Titus as well. In Titus chapter 2 verse 15, he tells him to encourage and rebuke with all authority and to not let anyone despise you for it. Proverbs 27, 6. I've been talking about this a lot lately, especially in our Thursday night study through the book of Ecclesiastes. It's to me probably one of the most disregarded and dismissed verses in all of the Bible. It says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. In other words, If you're my friend, you'll tell me what I need to hear, not what I want to hear, even if it will hurt me. Well, I I want you to like me, so I'm not going to rebuke you. I'm not going to confront you. I don't want you to block me on Facebook. So that's not love. You're not my friend. In fact, you're my enemy. Because see, an enemy will only tell me what I want to hear, but refuse to tell me what I need to hear. I need to hear the truth. And you know what I'm finding is initially when somebody tells you the truth, and always speak the truth in love because you love, you always want to have your words seasoned with grace. And it's not so much what you say, it's how you say what you say. Be gentle, be respectful, be kind, be loving. I think about in Galatians chapter 6 when Paul's writing about trying to restore a brother who's been caught in a sin, he says, do so gently. And then watch yourself, lest you yourself be tempted as well. But restore him gently, respectfully, lovingly, kindly. So you always want to be loving But when you speak the truth in love, it might be resented initially, but eventually it'll be received. And conversely, it works both ways. When somebody just kind of flatters you and tells you what you want to hear, you're kind of like, wow, thank you so much. What else did you notice about me? Go ahead, tell me. Reminds me of that story when somebody's just going on and on and on, talking about themselves, and finally they stop. And they say, you know, enough about me talking about me. You talk about me. (laughs) So it's all about me. You know, the unholy trinity, me, myself, and I. It's all about me. So initially you might appreciate somebody flattering you and telling you what you want to hear. But I assure you, eventually you will resent it. Why didn't you tell me the truth? Why didn't you risk the relationship and speak truth into my life? You must not really care about me. You must care about yourself only. That's not love. That's self-love. If you really love me, you will speak truth to me, even though it will wound me. That means you love me. I know my wife really loves me a lot. (laughs) Every day, all day. 
Man, she loves me. She really loves me. I'm so loved. I shared this on Thursday night. I think maybe it's apropos to share again. Years ago on the mainland, there was a situation with two brothers in Christ. And the one brother who really loved and cared about the other brother risked the relationship and confronted him and rebuked him in love. And he knew, he counted the cost, he knew it would probably cost the relationship, the friendship, at least initially anyway. And sure enough, he speaks the truth, he's respectful, the other brother doesn't receive it. In fact, the polar opposite happens. I mean, it was a war. And the brother who rebuked in love this brother was, I mean, just taking the hits and beat up, and even from others who were like, wow, where's the love, man? How, how could you do that? And the guy's like, are you, are you kidding me? I, 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 I love this guy. I care about him. Someone had to say something. And then this other brother, I'll never forget this, chimed in and said, wow, you cared enough. You loved him enough to speak the truth to him. You know, I think we do err greatly. And it works again both ways. When we should be so privileged as to be on the receiving end of a loving rebuke, that means they love you. That means they care enough about you to say something to you. You know the one who is to be pitied is the one who has no one that loves him that much that's willing to risk the relationship and rebuke them. Again, the takeaway before we move on here is always, always, always be respectful. Always be respectful. I think even in our witnessing, sharing the gospel with others, I think we're so disrespectful. I think we're so disrespectful. We're gonna, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. We're going to talk about this here in a moment. Number two, be helpful. Verses 3 through 6. Now, what Paul says here is interesting for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that Paul is qualifying those who are really in need of help. And I mean, he gets pretty specific here. It's almost uncomfortable. It's kind of like, whoa, so I'm a widow and I'm 59 and a half years old. I can't go on the list. No. Okay. Wow. Where's the love? I realize at first read this can come off as unloving, but the reality is that there are those whom we are not required to help. And that's what Paul is outlining here. Namely, those who have family members that they can go to. And when you step in and help somebody that has family members that they should go to, you let them off the hook. It's their requirement. They are obligated. And again, this has a cultural dynamic. In fact, let me expound on that for just a moment. 
You know, the only commandment of the Ten Commandments, the fifth commandment, honor thy father and thy mother so that the days upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee may be long. You'll notice I've got that memorized in King James. My parents made me. (laughs) Oh, I can quote it in several different translations and uh, two different languages, by the way, if you want. But you know that word honor? Honor. It's a financial term. It's where we get the word honorarium. In the Middle East, the children financially take care of their mother and their father. I remember growing up as a kid, this is in America, but my uncle built my grandmother and grandfather on my mom's side. This is my mom's parents. This was her brother, my uncle, built a house next to his house for their mother and father. Because in the Middle East, you don't put your mother and father in a nursing home. You honor them. And I didn't mean to go like that, because some of you are going, oh no. (laughs) It's a cultural dynamic. You care for your parents. You honor them. You help them. It is your responsibility. It is your requirement. You are required to help them. So here Paul is just laying it on the line, and he says that if the widow and fatherless are genuinely in need of help, we are commanded to help them if they have no family members to help them. This is what James says in chapter 1, verse 27. He says, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. That is pure, undefiled religion. You want to talk about somebody that is religious? That's the definition right there. They take care of the widows, the orphans who have nobody else to care for them. That's when the church cares for them. Well, this was an issue in the early church, and we know this because of Acts chapter 6. I'll read verses 1 through 4. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, The Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of the food. Now get this picture in your mind. The early church has a daily food distribution program for widows. These are true widows, the ones who really qualify for help from the church. And apparently there was this issue that had come up, this conflict, this problem that needed to be addressed, because some of these widows were being overlooked at the expense of these other ones. So, verse 2, the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you, who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. They have to be filled with the Holy Spirit, 
we will turn this responsibility, keyword, over to them, and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. Isn't it interesting that Paul would mention to Timothy how that these needs, which in some cases are not genuine needs, and they don't fulfill the requirements to really be in need, can become a burden on an already overburdened church. Because see, if the church is all about this, then what gets neglected? Prayer and the Word. Teaching the Word. Well, here's the third one. It's in verses 7 through 10. I chose to word it this way for a reason. I think you'll see why in a moment. Be useful. (laughs) Here, Paul gets even more detailed in his explanation of the qualification on the part of those who are in need of financial help. He starts off bluntly saying, and this is, I mean, in your face, anyone who does not provide for his family is denying the faith. And if that weren't bad enough, they're worse than an unbeliever. How about that? Have a nice afternoon. He then addresses widows again, which he will be even more blunt with in the next verses as he outlines the requirements for them, these younger women. Apparently they were married, their husband was met with an untimely death. What do you do? Well, he's going to address that. And that's our last one in verses 11 through 16, and it's be careful. If you were to ask me what I thought was one of the biggest issues, if not the biggest issue, within the church today, this would have to be it. And I'm hoping you'll allow me to explain what I mean by that. Here Paul talks about these younger women being busybodies, going from house to house. Apparently they have too much time on their hand. He calls them idlers. Now these are not words we use in our vocabulary much today. When was the last time you called somebody a busybody? If you did, they probably looked at you like, what era are you from? Or how about an idler? An idler? My car's not idling. What are you talking about? What do you mean? Well, apparently the problem had arisen, and it was a big problem for Timothy in that church there in Ephesus, but they had way too much time on their hands. Way too much time on their hands. And they were getting in other people's business, busybodies. They were busy about, hey, psst, did you hear? And they're going, you know, house to house, they're gossiping, they're spreading rumors, they're talking stink. Get too much time on their hands. They're being idle. And Paul is addressing it. Doubtless you've heard that expression, idle hands are the devil's workshop. Again, not a phrase that you hear much 
in our day. For those of you that are younger, again, with all due respect, I mean no disrespect when I say this, but let me just try to explain to you something from back in our day, (laughs) you know, back in the day, to be idle and to have your being idle being the devil's workshop, it meant this, that the devil found your idleness irresistible. He can't resist when you're sitting there, oh, idle. Here's the enemy. (laughs) All right, let's get busy. Let's make him a busybody. I wanted to get to this, and I left time for this, because I think I would be grossly remiss were I not to address this. Social media. You okay? I'll just wait. (laughs) I don't want to get in your face, or your Facebook, (laughs) But, (laughs) but I have to say what needs to be said. And it's what the Apostle Paul is saying to Timothy. If the Apostle Paul were a guest speaker today, first of all, how cool would that be? (laughs) Man, I'd be all over social media. Guess who my guest speaker is? (laughs) Is that bad? That's pride, I know. (laughs) But let's just say for purpose of discussion, purpose of illustration, that we were to have the Apostle Paul as a guest speaker today, What would he say? Well, I think he'd say the same thing that he's saying to Timothy here, except it would be updated. And he would talk about posting on social media. First of all, can I just say this? This isn't Paul. I'll come back to Paul in a moment. I'll give him the microphone, just a moment. Can I just say, where do you get the time? You must have a lot of time on your hands. How much time are you on social media? Can I just ask you a question? I mean, this is sincere. I want to be respectful. I want to say this in love. But what would happen? What kind of changes, almost instant and immediate changes, would you notice in your life if you took just a little bit of that time that you spend on social media? in prayer or in the Word. I'm not standing before you, and the Lord knows my heart. I'm not talking down to you. I'm not talking at you. I just want to be honest with you. And I speak for myself in my own life. It's easy to read the book of 1 Timothy and think it only applies to pastors. But the Word of God is always inclusive. This means you can glean something from every page, no matter who you are. So don't let your social status, job, age, or how long you've been a Christian hinder you from diving into the Bible. It's full of wisdom that you can apply to your life. As you listen to Pastor J.D.'s message today, we pray your faith was impacted in a powerful way. If you missed any part of this message or would like to hear others like it, just visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. 
There you'll find an archive of teachings as well as other helpful tools in your walk with the Lord. We always love to hear from our listeners, too. If you have a specific prayer request or any questions, please don't hesitate to get in touch with us through our contact form on our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. You'll find it under the About tab. If you're in the Kaneohe area, we'd love to connect and have you join us for our worship services. Always feel free to bring your friends and family along, too. It's a great time of fellowship and learning about God with Pastor J.D. Be sure to let us know that you're a listener of In Spirit and Truth when you visit. You can find out more about Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at our website or find us on our media platforms to stay up to date with all things concerning Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Thanks for being part of our study here today. We hope you'll tune in again right here on In Spirit and Truth. Truth, truth.